Hi, on this episode of Real Time Truth, we're going to talk about shaken faith. What do you do if somebody that you've regarded very highly in the Christian world all of a sudden says, I don't believe in God anymore, and they walk away and renounce their faith? What do you do? (laughs) And what do you do if it's somebody that's friends with your kid and now they're shaken? Join us on this episode and we'll talk about shaken faith. Welcome to another episode of Real Time Truth, where in 19 minutes, you're going to get a biblical perspective on things you deal with every day in your home, work, church, and in the surrounding culture. I'm Matthew McNeil. And I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. Thanks for joining us. And today we're talking about, I don't know how else to put this, it's like Christian artists that come out, so to say, or Christian leaders who come out, and that's a, not a great way of putting it, but basically renounce the faith that they once proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are, if there's someone that you respect greatly, that can be jarring. Of course it can. In fact, uh, you know, it can shake your faith. Uh, we've talked about this. Um, you know, somebody that um, you've grown to respect, um, you, uh, you know, you pick it. I mean, you've, you've listened to them sing for years. Mm-hmm. You love the lyrics of their songs. It brings you comfort and peace. And now all of a sudden, you know, they walk away from the faith. Uh, some Christian author that you've read his book mm-hmm. and it's meant a lot to you and they walk away. Uh, somebody that you've listened to their podcast and it's great. And then they, they all of a sudden renounce that they don't even believe in God. Exactly. You know, goodness. And 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 so and I mean you've named several people that I'm thinking of right now. Most most recently was the Jonathan Steingard, yeah, the the lead singer for the Hawk Nelson Band. If you're a contemporary Christian music fan, you know who that is. Uh, but they were not a small band, yeah. And uh, and he was in a series of of Twitter, uh, I guess tweets. Yeah, he basically renounced his belief, admitting that he hadn't believed for a while, yeah. but he still had bills to pay. So he so he yeah. stayed with the band because he just couldn't afford to lose such a lucrative paycheck. But when the band parted ways, he didn't feel the need to live a charade anymore. But what he did was, it was almost like sharing a testimony. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, and it was, it's very alluring because what he essentially did was he flipped his message on Twitter. So he went from being this leader of a Christian band who was being an evangelist for Jesus to not just saying, I'm out. He didn't stop there. He went past that to say, actually, there's not a need for this. And let me tell you about how it happened in my life. And so he went from being an evangelist for Jesus to being an evangelist for human secularism. Yeah. And I appreciate his honesty. I'm I do. Glad, I'm glad he got his house paid for. Yeah. Uh, and so then he came out and, and all, but uh, it would have been maybe a, a little bit more, uh, less hypocritical in my mind if, if he would have uh, been honest a couple of years ago when he said that, uh, to use the analogy of a sweater that was beginning to unravel, mm-hmm. uh, it had, as he said, it had unraveled a couple of years um, prior to him actually the band ending and so forth. And and again, I get back to this whole almost like a testimony of deconversion. He he gave that analogy, and honestly, if the if the topic of his of his series of Twitter feed uh, Twitter tweets yeah. had been on anything else, then you would have looked at those tweets and said, 
that's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. That was a really well-told story. Yeah. And so, but here's the thing, because of the sincerity of what he was saying, people who respect him could be struggling and oh, reeling yeah. right now because yeah. of now he's saying, yeah. yeah, this is not a big deal. Yeah, especially for young people, especially for people that's in their teens, uh, those in their 20s. Um, so often at that age, um, you're driven a lot by emotion, mm-hmm. more, more so than you are um, just by reason. Know, reason. And, and so, um, you know, I, I guess the thing that, that was interesting to me is how he talked about that he had a Christian upbringing. Um, raised in a Christian home, um, and then, but now all of a sudden he doesn't know God. Um, and I love your analogy. Why don't you share with folks uh, this idea of unknowing somebody? Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a matter of is this person is this an idea that you know about or a person that you know? Mm-hmm. I think about being in a park. Okay, and you know you might be out there, and somebody didn't come out with you, or maybe you took your dog out to the park, and you're going to throw the frisbee, and your dog just hasn't learned how to throw the frisbee yet. But there's a dude over there on the sidewalk, and he's hanging out by himself, and hey, let's throw the frisbee back and forth. So you throw him the frisbee, and he throws the frisbee back, and you catch it, and you throw it back to him. You may not even know the guy's name, but you don't doubt his existence because you literally caught a frisbee that he tossed you. You've had an experience with him. Yeah. And so this is what I'm this is what I'm thinking of in this whole situation is God is more than an idea. He's more than a historical figure. He is a person to know now. Yeah. And when you know someone, there's no circumstance. I mean, we're not I mean, we're not talking about something like spiritual amnesia here. Right. When you know someone, you don't suddenly not know them yeah. anymore. Yeah. This whole idea, I love your phrase of unknowing somebody. How can I know you for 15 plus years and all of a sudden say, I don't know if Matthew exists? But now answer that question now. How would that actually be possible? It's possible if you never knew Matthew to start with. It's possible that so many people who claim to walk away from the faith never had a faith to begin with. And when you read when you read in First John, when he says that they went out from us to yeah. show that they were never really one of us, or when you read about Jesus, when he says, you'll yeah. know these people by their fruit, he's literally, it's not just talking about uh, Christians living in sin or anything like that. These Both situations, Jesus and John, were both literally talking about false teachers. Yes. And so what, and see, and that's what we're starting to see here, I believe, in the life of this person in, in yeah. Steingart's life. Because literally, he went from being a proclaimer of the gospel to a proclaimer of its uselessness. Yeah, and it's and so that shakes people to their core that followed them. Um, you mentioned John, if I if I may, to read First uh, John chapter one verses one through three. This is you know this is real time truth. So here's the real time truth. That which was from the start before I before yeah. you read that, I want you to listen to what's emphasized by John yeah. in this passage. Yeah. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and have touched. I'm touching Matthew for those listening on a podcast not seeing this. With our hands concerning concerning the word of life, that's Jesus, the life was made manifest, means 
revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it. What? The life of Christ. And proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, that's Jesus, was with the Father, and was made manifest or revealed to us. John is speaking of himself and the other disciples, the apostles, and those that Jesus appeared to when he was on this earth 33 years, that we have seen and heard and we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are witnessing these things so that our joy may be complete. That's right. And now here's the thing. He didn't only say our fellowship was with Christ. He says our fellowship is with Christ. That's how that's how God is able to say, I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. Not I was. I'm not I wasn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am mm-hmm. the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he's alive. He's not he's a person to know now. Amen. And they literally they said again and again and again. We lived with him. We saw him. We listened to his words. We 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 grabbed each other. We hugged each other. Yeah. We held hands. We 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 lifted heavy things together. We shared food with each other. Yeah, yeah. You don't go suddenly from knowing that person. Say, I mean, because like these guys, none of them ended well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, with the except, I mean, John. He he was out of all of them. He might have been the only one that died of old age, mm-hmm. but he. I mean, the dude was boiled alive. Yeah, that's right. So none of them experienced great lives in the end. They're all things that could cause you to question, but none of those things made them suddenly stop knowing the man that said to the waves, "Peace be still." Amen, Matthew. And those of you who are listening and watching, I know Jesus. Mm-hmm. I know him. I talk to him. He talks to me. Through his spirit, he bears witness with my spirit. I've been through circumstances in my life. Let me tell you something. I know Jesus as good as I know Matthew. I know Jesus as well as I know my kids, as well as I know my wife, because Jesus said, my sheep know me and they recognize my voice. I recognize who he is. Mm -hmm. I understand who he is by how he has helped me in my life in so many different ways. I want to say this about about Jonathan Steingard. I, I, I don't know the man's heart, okay? So, so, so whether he actually Look, if he knew Jesus, if he said that he did, okay, I'll take him at his word. But if he says he did and he's now walking away, he's an apostate. If he never returns, he's an apostate. So meaning that he truly never was, no matter what he says, born again. Jesus said on that day, the day of judgment, many will say, Lord, Lord, have I not done this, that, and the other? And he'll say, depart from me, I don't know you. So just because you say you know Jesus, that very well may not be the case. But here, here's, the, here's what I want people to understand. We play this little game in my house. Uh, we've done this recently. We actually did it with a, a pillow um, where we play a little tug of war. And the way the way that we do this is that um, whether it's me or Pam's on one side of the pillow, you can do this with a rope or whatever. And, and we're tugging, you know, tug of war. Often it's done with a rope. But what what we do, either Pam or I'll get behind one of our kids. Uh, of late, I did this with Andrew. Where actually um, I was behind Andrew, and so Andrew couldn't see me because he's pulling on the rope, and and Pam was was kind of playing the role of the devil, and she. 
she was trying to pull him uh, toward her. And But I was behind Andrew. Now, he couldn't see me, but he could feel me because I actually came up against his back. And so I told Andrew, lean into me, okay? And so I had my hands on the pillow as well underneath and and at the time, he couldn't even see my hands. He was at the top of the pillow, and he's pulling. But the point is, is that I asked Andrew, can you feel me? Can you sense I'm here? And he, and he, he said, yes. And see, Jesus is in heaven. We all get that. Mm-hmm. But we can sense his presence through his spirit. And so many times, and you have, Matthew, we all can, those that are believers and followers of Christ, people sometimes think we're crazy because we hear voices in our head. Of course we do. We hear the voice of Christ who says, I am with you till the end of time. I'll not leave you. I'll not forsake you. His commands, his comfort comes to us. He says, yes, in the world you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And even when tears are burning down my cheeks, I can experience the presence of Jesus and I feel him speaking into my spirit and carrying me. See, I know him. And you can't not unknow somebody. I mean, that's impossible. Right. And so this is, if, if people are honest um, in their, you know, coming out and, you know, saying I now renounce any faith that I had. Uh, again, I would question whether they ever had any faith to begin with because you can't unknow somebody. Yeah, exactly. And so as we're talking about this, as a parent, now I'm still I'm still raising three lost kids, Okay praying for the day whenever they all know Christ, but none of them have made a profession of faith yet. And they're all but young. They are. They're all young, 10 and under. And But they are... But as a parent, I could imagine, of a parent of a saved child, I could understand that this would cause some fear. Because, again, you mentioned how um, in his testimony and in the testimony of so many others, again, uh, you call it a testimony because it's that's what it sounded like. Yeah. But he st- talks about being raised in church. And we have a huge emphasis on that here. But many could ask, could this happen to my child? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it could. Mm-hmm. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, have we introduced them to Jesus? Is it is is he actually their friend or is he just yours? Yeah. Is he is would they look at Jesus as a friend of their parents? Yeah. Or is he yeah. their friend? Years ago I did a sermon and um and I, I, I brought I used an analogy, um, an object lesson with a box, just a cardboard box. Um and on the box um I had written um, the names of the people who had spiritually influenced me in my life. Um, and so, but I said, this is my spiritual box. And the way that I did the analogy was to share with people, there comes a point in time that, that you have to own your own spiritual self, your own spiritual walk with Christ, and you have to write your name on the box. You, mm-hmm. It has to become your box. For so many people, they 
they they have a faith that's not really their faith, especially young people. They've always been taken to church. Mm-hmm. They've grown up in a Christian home, Christian grandparents, Christian parents, Christian whatever. And when you when you say, can you show me your spiritual box? And they show you their spiritual box. And this is a metaphor. You're like, well, where's your name? Mm-hmm. It has everybody else's name it's on it. It's got everybody else's name on it. Your preacher, somebody that's, you know, your your parent, your maybe a grandpa that was a godly grandfather or whatever. Where's your name? At some point, you got to put your name on the box. Mm-hmm. And my my fear for a lot of people, this goes back to what we talk about a lot here on this podcast, is that especially for young people, um, they've never really met Jesus. They don't know who he is. Um, and so their faith is coming to church. Their faith is being involved in some sort of you know youth program or children's church or it's whatever. It's activity. It is. And that's and and so and then what do you do with this? What do you do whenever one of those people whose name was on that box says, "Well, I threw my box away. I'm out. I threw my box away." Yeah. That I mean, that's that's the testimony of a local pastor that I know, a beloved friend of mine, who he was led to the Lord in college by a young lady who then later in life said, "I was wrong. I don't believe." Yeah, yeah. I mean. Forget like someone you respect walking away. This is the person who introduced you to Jesus. Yeah. And they say, I was wrong. Yeah. Just forget about it. Where does that leave you? And that's the thing though, is did they know him? Who knows? Hopefully that person came back to the Lord. Yes. But the thing is, is when that person introduced that local pastor to the Lord, he suddenly had a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. His own relationship. Yeah. He knew him. He was introduced to him. He knew him. And I know the pastor that Matthew's speaking of. And so, um, and, and so it doesn't matter what that other person that's did right. that's because right. his relationship was his. His name was on the box. That's right. That's right. Um, we have to get to a place, uh, parents, those of you who are listening out there, to where we help our kids meet and interact with God for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how else to say this. This is blunt. So many people know about Jesus, but they don't really know him. They know facts about him. They have a head knowledge, but he's never made it to their heart. He's a warm, fuzzy thought. He's a warm, fuzzy thought. And there's an old saying that some people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance from your head to your heart. Mm. People know facts about Jesus, but they've never, they've never truly given their heart to him and chosen to follow him. And so we've got to get to a place to where we have spiritual expectations for our kids so that, that, that we introduce them to Jesus. And so they begin to understand and recognize his voice. Sure. They have to have their own experiences with him. They can't just lean on your experiences. Yes. Something telling, because I know where you're going with this, something telling about Steingart's testimony, quote unquote, was the fact that at the very end, he he was, at the beginning, he was honest whenever he said, yeah, I just kind of hung in there for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. But at the end, he mentioned, he he listed off these, these tired centuries old objections to Christianity that anybody could find an answer to if they were really looking for an answer. There, these questions that he had uh, that we'll probably hit at some point in a podcast mm-hmm. in the future down the road. Why does God allow evil? Those you know, kind of things. Kind of stuff. Things that we've understood for thousands of years, literally. But the last one, I think, was kind of like an actual peak at the real issue. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned that he had been battling depression, which 
depression is a real thing. But in these situations, it's often code for something else. And that is that I have an underlying issue. I have some problem with something. And so what he needed at some point in his life was to be able to say, Dad, I got a question. Yeah. There's just, and there's something I don't get, or I want this, but I know the Bible says this. How do I deal with this? Yeah. Mom and dad, we have to be. Um, we have to be a, a safe place. You know, we talk, people talk about all these safe spaces, you know, these safe zones. Your home needs to be a safe zone that your child can come to you and talk about anything. You need to say that to your child. Yeah. You need to verbalize that to your child and say, honey, honey, you can come talk to me about anything, anything. It doesn't matter how bad it is. You can come talk to me about anything. You can trust me with what you tell me that, that I'm going to listen to you and and, and, and you have to prove that you're saying the truth yes. when they actually do it and you don't overreact. Yes. And, and yeah, we can't go, you got to be kidding me. You're thinking that? You, you, have you lost your mind? You've been raised better than... No, no. We, we, we show grace and we show mercy and love to them because they are being vulnerable. Yes. And so we, we don't crush that vulnerability because when you crush the vulnerability, what mm-hmm. you end up doing is you end up shove your, shoving your kid away. That's it. So we want to be able, we, we, we want our kids to be able to come to us with their doubts because they're going to have doubts. They're going, who doesn't have doubts? Satan can put the, a doubt in anybody's mind. He puts doubts in my mind. And we have to, we have to starve the doubt and feed our faith. And so as we, as we help our children, we have spiritual expectations for them. I have those for, for my kids. My, I got two 15 year olds in the house, a, a boy and a girl. And I have spiritual expectations for them. I say, what is God saying to you today? What's he working on on you in your life? Tell me what. And you, and you go. Wait a minute. I, you, you mean you expect me to ask my kid that? You know that, that God's actually doing something in their lives? Yes, because if you know somebody and you're tossing the frisbee with them, you're knowing them. You have a relationship with them. Yes, you have a relationship around that frisbee. Well, yes. you can have a relationship around spiritual issues with your kid and pointing them to the Lord. Yes. So. You know, one of my favorite verses is 3 John 4. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Mm-hmm. And so to have those expectations and so to, to, to plant those seeds in the life of our young people so that if somebody that, that they admire, that they followed, all of a sudden just says, I renounce my faith, that they go, okay, that's strange. That's whatever. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Doesn't affect me. Doesn't affect me because I know Jesus. That's right. Uh, you know, and a 15-year-old can know Jesus. Yes, a 15-year-old can be still and know that he is God. The people, I mean, the guys who followed Jesus around Galilee weren't much older than that. Exactly. And so they can know God. And so, again, we want our kids to experience, have their own experiences with God, not just rely on ours. And you had just pointed out, have expectations for them. Yes. And then whenever they're little, like my kids right now, mom and dad, that's on you. Okay, yeah. you are responsible for make for creating those moments where they get to experience God. You get to build. I mean, right now I'm attempting to disciple lost kids. Yeah. Okay, but what I can do right now is I still lay the knowledge of the truth out yeah. in front of them, yeah. so that one day, whenever yeah. the Lord just says, "Come here," they'll recognize it and they'll go to it. And that foundation can then be built upon. Exactly. And so we can say, "I have no greater joy." Then my children are what? Making good grades, making a lot of money, you know, have they've got a big house, they just got a new car. All that's fine. No, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's right. Do they know him? 
Do they yeah. know him? Not Amen. about him. Do they know him? Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Real Time Truth. I'm Matthew McNeil. I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. Thanks for joining us. Take care. <laughs>